In and out. Bada bing, bada boom. Show. How's it going? It's going pretty good. <laughs> Where are you going to chop out that other part where I talked over you with my probably. ranting? Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. I, I just thought I'd give you a little party atmospherics and background. Yeah. There's a party going on again. Wow, it's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. In the background, because it's Friday and we missed our, our midweek record potential, so mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. Life happens. And yeah. But, uh, yeah, unusually, I had to work on Wednesday. That's, that's not been a thing for me um, recently. Yeah. It has been a thing for me to work on Wednesdays. Mm. It's a pretty common occurrence. Uh, you and your white color world. <laughs> button down thing. Work a day. <laughs> school atmosphere. I don't get along with your rules, man. Forget about the badge. When do we get the freaking guns? Hey, I told you, you don't get your gun until you tell me your name. I've had it up to here with you. Rebels! <laughs> I was going to say, insert uh, Eddie Murphy's My Girl Wants to Party All the Time. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's sort of making a comeback. I, I th- didn't that song appear somewhere, or did he? Oh, I think somebody just said he really needs to do it when he hosts Saturday Night Saturday Night Live. Oh, um, but I don't think he. I don't think that happened. Okay. But but uh, that was um, that was a weird time. Eddie Murphy was the biggest thing ever. He was, yeah. Five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He started out just head. dominating stand-up comedy. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, and then went on a strange uh, attempt at a solo music career mm. with, I think, just the one hit. One hit. Yeah. yeah. There were, Which there is were, more than I think there were a couple of singles songs. released, but only only the one became a hit. And then mm-hmm. did Beverly Hills Cop, I believe. Yeah. Wait, was that after Beverly? Maybe it was. Maybe it was after Beverly Hills Cop. Because that was in the mid-80s. I, oh, I uh, yeah. Maybe Party it did the do the... Mm. 85, 86. Probably 86-ish. Yeah, sounds about right. So, yeah. Once he, he hit so it big in the movies. So, so he's a superstar. Between Cop 2 and 3, models. I think. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah, so. superstar. And then uh, some disasters and triumphs. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Got weird there. At the late 80s, everything got mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, it's true. I mean, as as strange as the 90s were, at least I kind of had a better handle on them than the late 80s. Late 80s was uh-huh. crazy in pop culture terms, looking I'm back on I'm going to it. agree. Yeah. yeah. The music scene was very strange. Hair metal was dying, but there was this other weird thing that wasn't quite, you know, alternative rock yet. Mm-hmm. Just sort of deviating, devolving from the whole shiny pop thing. So... Well... With that in mind, let's do my music share. I, uh, I had, so I've been a fan Wait, of... Wait, who are you? What? Who am but I? But isn't this, it's what? just called Two Brothers. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm Marcus. I'm James. Hmm. Uh, welcome to the show. 
Uh, Thank you. Already in progress. That's right. I am a huge fan of the police, and I've been a fan of Juliana Hatfield ever since I, wow, probably MTV I found her. There, she had a couple hits in the 90s, uh, just as, you know, the whole grunge thing was taking off. And she's a really good songwriter and has mm-hmm. still still kept going. She's, you know, produced things uh, now and then. But she did a an album of covers of Olivia, Olivia Newton-John's songs last year. Aha, uh-huh. okay. I saw, and, I saw a reference to that in the comments of, of this song. Okay, so this... I, I don't know if it'll come out this year, but she has released a couple of singles from her forthcoming album, which is uh, all covers of police songs. Yeah, Juliana Hatfield sings The Police. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, she does a really nice version of Do 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 Da 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 Da. the meager group that I could promote songs that are straightforward covers. I usually want to say, well, look at this wacky version of whatever it is. 
but mm. but uh but I did really really like this and I think she distilled it to um, essential elements that that made yeah. it a great thing in the first place. I think so. I think she did a really good job of um of making it her own. Mm-hmm. Uh enough to be noticeable that in that regard, yeah. not just because it's a female voice, but it helps, though. Yeah, that she's got a, she's got her own uh, vocal stylis- mm-hmm. stylization. Yeah. But then I was also struck by the the simplicity of her, for example, the the drum parts. Mm-hmm. You know, the lack of Stuart Copeland in that yeah. song it is stands out. It definitely stands out. Whereas I didn't really think about it until I missed it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're certainly big fans of Stuart Copeland. I am a, yeah, I have his book. <laughs> I started reading his his bio, uh, mm-hmm. his autobio. Yeah. Uh, or at least memoir. I'm not, I guess he doesn't go through his life till then. I think he's, I think it's early life through the police, but, uh, but maybe, maybe it's a whole thing. Um, hmm. Obviously he potentially has a lot of life left, so he has yet to do his, his full autobio. Mm-hmm. It's fun so far, as much as I've dug into it, and I, I, I really, really love seeing his videos when he pops up on the YouTubes. Indeed. Uh, he does, obviously he does regular drum clinics, and um, he's interviewed periodically for various things. <laughs> he's a, a world percussion instrument yeah. expert yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. He's been an aficionado of unusual instruments to the West, at least. Mm-hmm. Always been interested in and open to African instruments and uh, Asian instruments yep. that are in his wheelhouse, so to speak. The percussion stuff. Lots of weird right. cymbals and gongs and unusual drums of every kind. So he'll put something together, display those, talk about them. Um, yeah, maybe I'll put a, a link to a couple things in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed Juliana's version there. Mm-hmm. It was fun. The song itself was ridiculed for its lyrics, um, mostly by people who didn't listen to the lyrics. Right. That often happens. <laughs> they missed the point, mm-hmm. but it's a good one. As, yeah. Was that on Synchronicity? It was on Ghost... No, it was on... Meet the Police? That, no, that was on um, was the one before Ghost in the Machine, which was Zenyana Mandata. Ah, okay. That's where that album's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, that song. <laughs> that's, that's the album that song's from. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Hey, speaking of karma farming, I was attempting... I felt very clever in... Uh, this is going to run into my music share, too. Mm-hmm. It, in this latest political scandal, it, this is toward the end of September 2019. Right. And the uh, impeachment inquiry has begun into Donald Trump and his uh, dealings with Ukraine. Right. To fill in any audience that isn't uh, listening currently. Did I send um, you? Did I send you the uh, the image about the impeachment hearings? No. So somebody created a parody image of uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles logo, mm-hmm. and it's Donald Trump impeachment hearings. But when you see it that way, you have to sing the song in your head. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump impeachment hearings. Donald Trump <laughs> impeachment hearings. Donald Trump impeachment hearings. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Probably he's guilty. <laughs> Pelosi power. Oh dear. All right. <laughs> I need a two-syllable thing, and I couldn't think about. Oh, you were just making that up. Okay, well that's all right then. Congress power. I don't know. Congress power. Yeah, that's <laughs> made it up. Anyway, but yeah, so for a while there, I was <laughs> singing it in my head. It's terrifying. <laughs> so I thought of this um, this title, you know, to go along. Well, insert uh, clip of Kent Brockman talking about Watergate. 
Behind these doors, a federal judge will ladle out steaming bowls of rich, creamy justice in a case the media have dubbed Beat Up Waiter. <laughs> this reporter suggested Waitergate, but was shouted down at the press club. <laughs> um, everything is, every scandal has, uh, some, has something to do with Watergate, you know, something gate. Yes. Right? And right. so. I'm um, waiting for this one. Whistlegate. <laughs> I bet it's going to be Whistlegate. Uh, whistlegate. I wish it was Blowgate, but I, but it's probably going to be Whistlegate. <laughs> the, the fact that most people don't know where Kiev is, mm-hmm. or that it is the capital of Ukraine. Right. Um, I mean, well, I mean, people are still calling it the Ukraine. Yeah. D- didn't stop me from uh, attempting to name the scandal the Great Gate of Kiev. Mm, that's pretty good. I thought it was pretty good, and I appreciate that you appreciate it, I uh, even I though I got... Zero likes or feedback on Facebook uh, when I posted it, <laughs> and I think seven upvotes when I put it on on uh, Reddit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. well, I still I put the link to the Vancouver Symphony playing Great Gate of Kiev, which right. is a a movement from Pictures at an Exhibition mm-hmm. by Modest Mussorgsky. Yeah. A Russian composer from the uh, Romantic period, late 1800s. Yeah. Famously right, reinterpreted by Emerson Lake and Palmer Dundee, on an Dundee. album of the same name. Mm-hmm. He actually wrote it for piano, but um, Maurice Ravel <laughs> Which orchestrated Which is the reason it. that Keith Emerson would know and want to sort of show off with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the final movement of Pictures at an Exhibition, which was written Mussorgsky's musical impressions of a group of paintings at an art gallery in memoriam of a friend of his, right. an artist friend of his. So he painted or sketched an idea for this sort of big city gate at the interest of Kiev that never really, uh, I don't think it ever came to fruition. But uh, uh, Yeah, I don't it, think so. It looked uh, very, you know, majestic and ominous in its presence, and so that's what the, the piece is like. And it sounds like, like this.
Yeah. Mm. I was really impressed with the Vancouver Symphony. Their brass section is uh, quite excellent. Yeah. Richness of blend is right. was surprising. Uh, it's just me. there's a, there's so many competent groups around. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to get lost in, you know, who's just really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, finding out a, a group that stands out for some reason. And it's it's weird to me that certain collections, collectives rather, will be more proficient at a specific type of music or even a specific composer. That's that's weird to me, but um, mm. it does happen. You know, somebody yeah. just dials in. I I really love uh, Friedrich Gulda's interpretation of uh, Bach, mm-hmm. but he is a master at Mozart. Mozart was his favorite composer, mm. and it's it's a revelation to listen. Like it's great to hear his. Uh, Bach, because um, when I listen to Well-Tempered Clavier, I only want a sort of mathematical rendition of it, if you like. I don't want too much interpretation, because it's so precisely composed. Mm -hmm. I kind of would rather hear it. Like, I enjoy hearing it on the piano, and that's not really... That's not the instrument he wrote it for. Yeah. Uh, And I... It's weird to hear it on a harpsichord or similar... And uh, so I like that hard-hitting, neatly separated note structure that Gulda does in his version of Well-Tempered Clavier. Those, I mean, you know, there's 30 or 40 really good versions of it out there floating mm-hmm. that you could pick any one and it's fine. But, sure. But uh, Glenn Gould is uh, held up as, you know, the monumental interpreter of everybody. Mm-hmm. Just a, the stellar pianist. But he really... I just can't get past the mumbling, the little, the little (laughs) hums and stuff. It's endearing. Once in a while, if it's really vigorous, (laughs) then I don't notice. But, but Uh something like Bach, I I want to be pure and and mathematical. So I like that. Mm -hmm. When I listen to Friedrich Gulick play Mozart, it is just stunningly good. Like there's nobody else I think is that is better at a piano, you know, part Uh playing Mozart. Interesting. That's really cool. So when you get somebody like, say, the London Symphony Orchestra, who is superb at really, you know, sweeping, dramatic score. Sure. But they don't necessarily do other types of orchestral music as well as, you know, other groups. They don't tend to record it anyway. I guess so. I guess so. I would imagine that they're like uh, most orchestra. I don't know for sure, but Mm -hmm. um, because I haven't looked at their programs or anything, not having traveled to London or... (laughs) right. I would imagine they're trapped by so many orchestras having to do the sort of the classics of classical, you know, yeah. Bach and Beethoven and Mozart more than anything, more than any other composer. Mm-hmm. But uh, hard to say. I, I don't know without looking up their playlist. Yeah. All walk, right. So walk. if you want to send us your playlist <laughs> before you go to work, yeah, you know, work that in there. Yeah, you can send it to Bros at it's just called two And if you are on Twitter, stepping between the landmines of toxic uh, exchange. You can tweet at us at IJC2B. Mm-hmm. And blogging occurs by you at MarcusHarwell.com. That is correct. Yeah. So you should uh, party every day. <laughs> that was a that's a, a, a possible other clip to insert. Oh, yeah, I might. Yeah, if I if I think about it while I'm uh, putting putting the touches on. Uh, it's funny. I I started listening because uh, I, I was tempted to mention it's the 50th anniversary of Abbey Road. A couple of days oh, ago. Gonna, that's right. I was going to mention Paul McCartney's interview that I saw on oh, yeah. Stephen Colbert. Oh, cool. That was actually, it was really good. Oh, nice. I enjoyed it. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> the sort of super deluxe edition, they're calling it. Yeah, with the suitcase. <laughs> was released, and uh, it's really, really good. Uh, there's a ton of demos that go along with it, so you get to hear uh, some false starts and alternate takes and... Oh, is that where they're where, where they are? I wasn't sure how how people found out about those, but they're mm-hmm. put into that set, eh? Yeah, because um, Jeff Emmerich, I believe, was told early on, "Hey, record everything the Beatles do. Mm-hmm. Whatever, don't care how much tape you you use. Whatever, whenever they start doing things, you record it <laughs> or make sure it's recorded, right? Mm-hmm. So they have, you know, all the." Or most of the alternate versions of everything. Yeah. You know, 30, 40, 50, 60 takes. Mm, record stores have always seemed crazy to me, but it doesn't upset me. Music is none of my business. That's fine for you, Marge, but I used to rock and roll all night and party every day. Then it was every other day. Now I'm lucky if I can find half an hour a week in which to get funky. I've got to get out of this rut and back into the groove. Well, good. Try to include Bart and Lisa.